Life And is a podcast brought to you by Scranton Fringe, made possible by the Luzerne County Medical Society and in partnership with Park Multimedia. Hello, listeners. My name is Tanya Verkaitis, and welcome to another episode of Life And. This podcast has one goal, to document and celebrate the strange phenomena we call the human experience by sharing true stories. This season of our podcast, we turn our focus onto the theme of life and celebration. Though seemingly lighthearted, like most things in life, a celebration can take on many forms and mean many different things to very different people. It is our hope that by hearing these true firsthand experiences, we can work towards creating more unified, honest, and supportive communities. Thank you, dear listener, for making time for the stories of others. This is Life and Celebration. Today, our featured guest and storyteller is Amber Viola. Amber Viola graduated from North Pocono High School and enlisted in the United States Navy, serving honorably for eight years. While in the military, she advanced to the rank of Gunner's Mate Second Class and was a Naval Military Training Instructor and a Department of Defense Victim Advocate. While serving as a victim advocate, Amber realized that she wanted to spend her life serving people in her community. She received her bachelor's degree in social work from Marywood University and is currently working towards her master's degree. Amber served as the Human Resources Director for the City of Scranton and she sits on multiple boards. She is the commander of the Goolsboro American Legion and a mother to five-year-old Jacqueline Viola. She is a community activist and an advocate for those who cannot advocate for themselves. So, you know, when I decided that I was going to go out to dinner um, and I wasn't really feeling that great or whatever. So I wanted to have my favorite meal. My favorite meal was mussels in like a wine sauce and a pitcher of sangria. I was super excited to get it. Hadn't had it for a while. So I go and I'm like eating my food and I'm like, man, my stomach kind of hurts. And I'm like, no, there's no way. Right. So I only drink one glass of sangria. I get home and I'm in the bathroom and I'm, you know, doing peeing on a stick, trying to see if I'm pregnant, trying to find out. And the test came back right away and I was pregnant. And I started screaming and I ran outside with my pants unbuttoned, um, kind of still pulled down, like not even pulled up and was like, oh, my God, I'm having a baby. I'm having a baby. And it was literally the best day of my life. So um, when I found out, I actually found out sooner than most people because I was only four weeks since I was being so crazy about trying to get pregnant because we had been trying for a really long time so I kind of was noticing the little signs and different things so I was able to kind of try to figure it out but I knew like my whole life all I wanted to do was be a mom so now I'm having this 
what I thought was going to be amazing, great mom moment of just being like glowing and I can eat whatever I want. And it's just the best day ever. And it's going to be nine months of everybody, you know, rubbing my feet and doing all this stuff. And that isn't actually what happened at all. So from basically the beginning, it was a disaster. I had a hot mess pregnancy. Um, at seven weeks, I almost miscarried. And I was literally sitting on the couch. I just flew back from um, AVP and I was in Virginia and I'm like, all right, I'm going to eat some chips and watch TV. And I had to go to the bathroom and then boom, I'm just bleeding all over the place. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. So I go to the doctor and I'm just crying and, and you know, drooling or whatever. And I had this mean man as a doctor and he comes in and he's like, um, yeah, you're having a miscarriage. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. Thank, th- thank you. Um, and then he's like, well, I just need to check you out. So he starts, you know, doing his gynecological thing and pulling all this stuff out. And I'm looking at him, I'm looking at the stuff and I'm like, what is this? And he's like, oh, well, you know, it might be fetal tissue. You know, if there was a twin in there, this could be part of the twin. So now I'm like really a disaster. I'm like, you're pulling out my twin, you know, and thank God it wasn't. It wasn't. It was. And it was my twin. No, it wasn't my it wasn't her twin or anything like that. So that kind of just starts off the whole process. So I was on bed rest and I wasn't able to really do anything. And then, you know, eventually I got back in a swing of things. I was able to kind of go back to work. Um, I was in the Navy at this time. So I worked 24 hour shifts. So at one point I'm, you know, pregnant. I'm on my feet all the time. And I go to my doctor and I'm like, hey, do you think you can write me a note that says that I can't work 24 hour shifts, like maybe just 12 hours, even 18, but just not the whole 24. I, you know, it's really tiring and all this stuff. And the nurse looks at me and she goes, pregnant women walk the Oregon trail. And I'm literally like, bitch, what does I would die. I would have been dead. I would not have made it to Ohio from Pennsylvania because I have a high risk pregnancy and I'm just not going to make it. And I really looked at this lady like she was crazy. She really told me people walk the Oregon trail. Yeah. And they died of diphtheria and diarrhea. And like, it just, you know, it was this whole thing. And I just kind of couldn't really believe that she was saying this to me and I didn't want to not work. You know, only thing I wanted to do was just not work for so long. And I really didn't think that was, you know, a crazy thing to ask for. So at this point now, I have gestational diabetes. I'm shooting insulin and straight into my stomach. And um, I have preeclampsia. So, you know, I look a mess. I'm not glowing. I'm sweating profusely. I'm pretty sure I smelled very bad the whole entire time. And it was just so funny and frustrating to me because my whole life, all I wanted to do was be pregnant. And then I'm finally pregnant. And I'm like, and now I look like a cow, you know, and it was just such an backwards experience that I thought I was going to have. But I knew like at the end of it was going to be this amazing little baby girl princess. And so I just kept trying to like look forward to that. So I ended up going on a little vacation um, down in this place called Kill Devil Hills in North Carolina. 
and I'm swimming in the ocean. I'm having a good time. And that just marked the end of any good time I was going to have during the pregnancy. So I officially died on that trip. By the time I came back, I ended up in a hospital and I spent my last month of pregnancy in the hospital. So, you know, every week I had the nurses come and they were bringing me little like signs that said, congratulations, you made it to, you know, 28 weeks. Yay. Um, it was the most depressing thing in the whole entire world. I wasn't allowed to eat anything. So obviously from the beginning of the story, you guys know, I love me some food. So I'd have my friends sneak in, you know, (laughs) food for me and drinks and as soon as I ate my blood pressure would rise you know my sugar would go up and they could tell but I was like you know part of me doesn't feel bad because I'm the one who's stuck in here you know and I'm I'm pregnant so I'm trying to get out the hospital right I've been there for a month I'm about to I'm giving birth in like four days so it's election day and I'm like look I didn't do my mail-in ballot because I really wanted to go in person and vote for Hillary Clinton. And like, it was a really big deal. So the doctor is like, no, you can't leave. So I'm talking to him, I'm sweet talking to him. I'm like, I want to see my dog before I have the baby. Like, you know, I need to get my house together and all this stuff. So he says, okay, if somebody can come pick you up, you know, nobody was coming to pick me up. So I lie to the doctor and I tell him, somebody's coming to pick me up. Um, I'm back. I'm getting ready to leave. Well, I get down to my car and my battery's dead because my car has been sitting in the parking lot at the hospital for a month. So I have a dead battery and I'm super pregnant. And now I'm actually starting to feel like really, really terrible. And I get ended up having to get security to um, jump my car and stuff. And I leave and I'm able to go vote. And, you know, that was like her little first time voting, too, because she was in my stomach. And I ended up being able to spend the rest of the time at home. And it honestly went pretty well. So then I get wheeled into the hospital because they're inducing me um, to go into labor. So I knew exactly when it was going to happen. And I get there and I'm super excited and also terrified because I don't really know what's going to happen. You know, I wanted to have this whole like holistic water birth with like a doula and you know oils or whatever in like a water bath and all this stuff but I ended up being so high risk and on the verge of death the whole time that I wasn't allowed to do any of that so I was like okay at least I can have the one thing I wanted was a natural birth right so I'm getting in there and I'm like cool guys I'm ready and y'all that stuff it was so terrible So I'm in there and I'm thinking I'm going to get to the point where, you know, I'm all the way dilated. They're going to be like, all right, you're ready to have the baby. My contractions are getting close together. They started off close together the whole time. So I'm having contractions and they're like two minutes apart. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, that must mean I'm ready to push soon. They're going to tell me I'm all ready to go. No, they're like, yeah, you're like two centimeters dilated. And I was And I just started crying. And I was like, how long is this going to take? Well, 14 hours later, I'm still only now five centimeters dilated. And now at this point, my blood pressure is shooting through the roof. And I am about to have a seizure. So they tell me, hey, you have to get an epidural because that's going to lower your blood pressure down. Anesthesiologist comes in, is like yelling at me. 
And he's like, you need to stay still so I can do this. And I'm like, bro, I've been in labor for 14 hours. I'm having back-to-back contractions. Like, give me a break. He shoots me in the back with the epidural. He misses. He blames it on me. So now I'm pissed. And he's like, you have to stay still or whatever. And now he's like, I'm going to do it again. He does it again. He finally makes it. It goes through. I actually passed out and took a nap. So the last hour of labor, I was sleeping. They woke me up and they said, hey, you're 10 centimeters dilated. You're ready to go. Like you can push. Um, so then I was able to push. And honestly, that was probably the easiest part of my whole pregnancy was pushing her out and getting her placed in my arms and on my chest. And it was the best day ever it made everything so worth it you know I'm crazy enough to think in my head that I would want to do it again um but you know I created this this crazy little life and I get to see her grow up and and be here and it's such a joy and to watch her just be excited every single day and and I think that's definitely what I think about when I think about life and and celebration you i am laughing the whole time you're talking because bed rest check this is me high risk pregnancy check month in the hospital check oh my goodness pushing being the easiest part (laughs) for sure yes except i did it twice oh my goodness so the whole idea of being barefoot and pregnant and hippie mom was definitely kind of like i thought i'd be running through the flowers right glistening in the sun sure (laughs) i i 100 percent get it so this was kind of like you know bonding right here (laughs) yeah people ask me and they're like well is pregnant you know how is pregnancy i'm like terrible it's the worst thing ever yeah, I find it very interesting, though, like, I mean, you seem to be pretty positive through most of it, even given everything that was going on. Yeah. But the fact that you kept having these kind of negative experiences, starting with the physician when you thought you miscarried to the point that when you asked for less hours and yeah. the doctor's note, how did you manage not to, dare I say, slap a bitch? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was hard. Um, I was still in the military then. So that was part of it was I knew that I needed to keep it together. Um, But also, I really didn't. I had never experienced kind of microaggression racism with doctor's offices and physicians and stuff like that. Um, and never really had to advocate for myself really hard. So for me, it was kind of the realization that, oh, this is why they're treating me this way. And then now I have to really advocate for myself to even be able to get what I wanted, you know, and, and these things. And then making sure that I realized, like, I'm not asking for a lot. I'm just asking for basic things that anybody would be asking for. And, and it was, it was really frustrating. And I mean, I cried a lot after going to the doctors and different stuff because it was hard. It was like, I'm doing my best that I can. And, you know, and that doctor was so rude. The first one that I had, and I'm like, I'm thinking my baby's falling out and he couldn't have cared less, you know, just, So at what point did you reconcile yourself with the fact that you weren't going to be the sort of pregnant person you thought you would? Um, Probably around 
my second trimester because I was really excited to finally not be sick and not be throwing up. And I still was so sick the whole time. And, um, and I was like, this is how this is going to go. It's not going to get any better. Cause people were like, you know, women, Oh, it gets better after the first trimester and stuff and you'll get used to it. So, cause I wanted to work the whole time and, you know, be a, be superwoman already. And it just wasn't happening. And I was like, no, what? fine. I'll just be hideous and sweaty and, you know, this isn't going to be great. <laughs> and you're right, because people do often say, this is the worst part now, yeah, right? Yeah. Or you'll forget all about this after it happens. Right. And in my mind, there is no forgetting. No, no. That memory does not yeah. go away. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You couldn't eat anything. You know, you're, I couldn't drink Gatorade. I, no salt. I couldn't have hot sauce. <laughs> I ended up having to make my own hot sauce, which actually turned out fine, but it was very frustrating. Um, no coffee, no caffeine and everything like that. So. so how do you celebrate now? I mean, obviously you have your lovely daughter who's here with us today. Um, but do you celebrate that on a regular basis? Do you think the fact that you got through that and now you're here on the other side? I do. I do. I'm, I'm forever grateful that I have her and honestly that we both made it through, you know, my family um, was trying to stay positive, but they were absolutely terrified. I think because I was in the middle of the situation, I was always joking around and, you know, and, and not taking anything seriously, but my brother genuinely believed I was going to die or that Jacqueline was. Um, so, you know, I'm so grateful every day that, that we both made it through. Cause I think if, I wouldn't have been in the military and had amazing insurance, um, had a job where I could be in a hospital for a month, where I could be on bed rest, um, not go to work, have not have to worry about how any how much anything cost. That's why I'm here, you know, because if I didn't have those things, we wouldn't we wouldn't have made it at all. You know, I looked at my medical bills and I mean, it was half a million dollars for me being in the hospital that long, you know. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Each, um, what is it? Ultrasound is a co- like a couple hundred dollars. And I was getting ultrasounds at least once a week because mm-hmm. they had to, you know, make sure she was okay. So. So you talked about the possibility of doing it again. Yeah. Would you do it again? I want to, like, I would love to have another, another child. I would, but you know, um, biological clock is ticking and I don't think it's going to get easier. <laughs> so you know but who knows what hap- what's gonna happen um but i'm i'm happy i have her and she calls my dog her little brother so i have you know a first son and a daughter <laughs> there you go thank you for sharing your celebration with us this is one that i particularly feel touches close to home um and as a single mother as well it gives you extra to celebrate because we have to put all the effort in you know, and you did it. Like, you know, you did this all by yourself and you can take credit for that. And I think that's a, that's a really great feeling. Thank you. Dear listener, thank you for joining us for another episode of Life Ant. It is thanks to people like you that we're able to make this wonderful project a reality. Be sure to subscribe and leave a great review wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, dear listeners, 
Remember to breathe and to make time for stories, yours and others.